Welcome back to Love, Lust, and Magic. I am so excited for our sacred sluttery today. I have the iconic and legendary Vixen Temple, a New Zealand-based sex work activist, poetess, sex worker, burlesque dancer. She is truly incredible. And in this episode, she sheds light on her own experience as a neurodivergent, queer, disabled sex worker living in New Zealand where sex work is decriminalized. She talks about her own journey to get there, about her own practice with witchcraft, about her devotion to the goddess and what this means for her and how this helped her come to be Vixen Temple. I also share a little bit of my a little bit about my own sex work journey and we really just get into the sacred slut shit like I said. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. You can find more about Vixen Temple below as well as more about the different organizations she talks about that are doing really, really incredible sex work advocacy. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Vixen Temple, the icon, the slut queen, the goddess, the erotic star of my heart. Welcome to Love, oh, Lost, God. and Magic. It is truly such an honor, privilege, privilege, and pleasure to have you on. Thank you, thank you, thank you for talking to me. Ah, uh, kia ora. Tēnā for having me. I'm honored. The pleasure and honor is all mine. You are so special, and I know we're going to have such a juicy conversation. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty, sexy, not-so-sexy, all of it. Um, but you are such truly a force to be reckoned with. Um, a sex worker activist, a burlesque dancer, a stripper, a sex worker in many different facets of the industry, a goddess devotee. You are just such... Uh, you told me you're Gemini rising, and I see that in this beautiful, prismatic expression of your soul um and my first question is of course my love um your path is so unique and so you can you tell us Mm. a little bit about your story and how you got to be vixen temple so my journey as vixen temple really coincided with my sex work journey um it was my final year of uni i was studying film media theater gender and english wow and my friends and i we gathered together We opened a circle and essentially we were performing a love spell and we were meant to envision traits in like an ideal partner. I remember lying there and I just, I couldn't think of anything and I keep seeing myself and I remember thinking like, girl, don't be a narcissist, like stop, like no, 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 like what, what am I doing? Why do I keep picturing myself? I just could not think of a partner. All I could see was myself and I was just like, okay, whatever, I guess I'm just having a mental block. I went to bed that night, I smoked some marijuana (laughs) and I had this really vivid dream that night and I just saw these flames and they were dancing and then they formed into the body of like a feminine figure and she was stepping out of the flames and her hair was feral, her eyes were wide and she was staring at me with this look upon her face of like, I know a secret you don't know. And as she got closer to me, I realized this was me I was looking at. And I woke up in the morning 
just like, wow, what, what just happened? That was such a vivid dream. And I realized, I think I had performed a love spell on myself and I had initiated this path of that woman I dreamed was the wahine, the woman I was meant to become. And so since then, it's like I, it's like I just got an edge in my step. I started looking at my life and all of the things that were wrong in it and the ways that realizing the ways that patriarchy and colonialism had been keeping me oppressed and trying to unlearn that. And mm. through that, my sex work journey started. I started working online and selling porn. And I did that originally under the name Vixen Temple. And I chose the name Vixen Temple because Vixen, it's like reclaiming the word, oh, she's a Vixen, she's a slut, mm -hmm. she's a temptress. And then Temple because my body is a temple. I know I have Jewish heritage and I'm really, really fascinated by the ancient temples and how mm -hmm. the, the, this, the practices and the rituals that were evoked back then. I'm really fascinated by that. So Vixen Temple is this marriage between the slut shaming I've experienced and sort of reclaiming my body, my temple. And that's how Vixen Temple came about. And then from there, I started working in strip clubs. I started doing burlesque. I started doing drag. Um, eventually I started becoming a sex work activist and a writer. And then, yeah, my journey just kept unfolding from there. It was, it was really beautiful. And through sex work, I've really stepped into that, that powerful woman that doesn't take shit that I saw in that dream that night all those years ago. Oh, babe, that was so beautiful. So powerful. That visual of like your like goddess self your like most embodied expression that you're not even like that you weren't even necessarily consciously aware of stepping out of the fire like that is so evocative and i love what you were saying and i resonate so much with that and i guess i have so many questions but my first question was how was it for you to take the leap from experiencing this new embodied kind of vision manifestation manifestation of yourself into that like translating into sex work like as somebody who's done both online and offline sex work as well like i know that it can be um you know like there's a lot of things to consider where you're living in um auto oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna say it wrong. <laughs> can you please help me i would love to say it correctly. i live yes i live in aotearoa new zealand aotearoa aotearoa um so where you live sex work is decriminalized How, was it decriminalized when you began doing online sex work or is that something that's been more recent yeah, so sex work in Aotearoa has been decriminalized since the 2003 Prostitutes Reform Act. Hell yeah. And Hell yeah. I'm now a board member of the organization oh. that, the collective, yes. I mean, that got that in, incited, yes. which was really cool. Oh um, my I God, joined, so epic. Thank Incredible. you. It was really beautiful for me. I joined the Aotearoa Sex Workers Collective Board at the end of last year. And Amazing. I've been working with them ever since, and that's been really beautiful. So when I entered sex work, yeah, it was... 2018 so we were well into decrim yeah, and it's really beautiful and I'm, I, I i really view that as such a privilege um it's not decriminalized for migrant workers but as a citizen citizen of aotearoa yeah. i am able to operate as a sex worker and that's a privilege I really don't take lightly. Yeah. And I think I was mindful of that. I knew that I, I remember the world 
before decriminalization. Yeah. I remember the way that prostitution and sex work was spoken about on the news. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have been a child in 2003, but I can remember that. And I was mindful of that entering the industry that I am very lucky that I've never had to operate under a criminalized module. And so when I entered sex work from stripping and then from there, I started doing sugar babying and now I'm an escort. It's something I really don't take lightly. And I just being ADHD with my hyperfixations, I threw myself into the research yep. of like the history of the decriminalization and the positive impacts that it has had on Aotearoa and the many communities that make up the sex work community. We've got, you know, the trans community here in Aotearoa. We have the indigenous community, which is Polynesian and Māori. We've got the Takatāpui community, which is the, you know, the queer community here in Aotearoa. We're really built up. Sex workers are really built up of a lot of marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I am such a strong sex work activist, because when you're a sex work activist, you are by default an activist for the black, brown, indigenous community, mm -hmm. the disability community, the trans community, the Takatapui community, all these communities that we are built up of. And so being an advocate and an activist for that, I really view it as an honor. And I really can't remember my life prior to sex work, prior to sex work activism, because through that, I feel like I've really been able to step into my Queen of Swords era of yes. just cutting people out that do not serve me, drawing my sword at people that are trying to disrespect me. The sex work industry, growing up as an AFAB person, you know, I was taught that my nose mean nothing and mm -hmm. that my I need to make myself discomfortable for others other people's comfort make myself uncomfortable sorry for other people's comfort and the sex work in industry ironically taught me how to establish boundaries with people and how to say no and how to say hey my time is valuable and if you disrespect it you don't deserve it exactly. and so for me it's it's like a means of self-preservation just being very mindful of who I let into my energy and on top of that being a sex witch and being Papa Māori, I am very holistic. I am very spiritual. In te reo, the word for sexual desire is taira. And so in, in, in Māori, in Māori, we really view, like all Indigenous communities, as everything possesses a soul, a waiura. Mm -hmm. And I apply that to sex. It's, it's very much how you talk about sex. It's an energy. For us, it has mana. It has waiura. It's taira. And so when I am engaging in anything sexual, I view it as a, as a means of magic. And so I really apply mm. that to all aspects of my life, my sex work, my personal sex life. And through that, I've really, yeah, I've really stepped into this woman that just knows her worth. And that's not to say I'm perfect. I, I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still unlearning a lot of things, but I've been doing sex work for five years now. And the woman I was when I entered the industry versus who I am now, I have really become that woman that I saw in that dream yeah. who's stepping out of the flames like a phoenix rising from the ashes being like, I have been burnt, but you can't burn a witch. I'm going to burn the patriarchy. Yes, <laughs> that's the patriarchy makes a temple. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm giving you a fucking standing ovation. There is so much here. And I'm so happy, first off, that you have this path because you have done so much with it. Like your activism, I was actually going to ask you because I know you're on the board um, 
with yeah. you know like strippers united and also with um like you mentioned uh new zealand um and it's and i was looking up the acronyms um but the aotara based sex workers collective like you mentioned and like you know that's i think for me like a, a one of the reasons i haven't been so public about my own like journey with sex work it's like one of those things like if you know you know like i'm public about only fans but mm. i you know like i'm a white cisgender skinny like able-bodied woman so i'm like you know like it's not about me it's like about our communities and those of us like if we're not protecting everybody and we're not taking everybody in consideration like you know here we have a lot of street-based sex workers and sex work is criminalized so it's like yeah obviously that's affecting like trans bodies and like or trans people and um black and brown indigenous people like all people that are disabled like those are the the people that need to be heard and you're just you're fucking doing it and you're doing it in such a beautiful holistic way and your activism extends into so many different realms and i want to get into all of them but i also want to acknowledge what you're talking about about sex work being an avenue to sovereignty and of boundaries like that's something that i talk about a lot with my co-creatrix of kink coven sade um she is open about this but she just you know had to cut somebody off in her family and she's like i would not have been able to do this without sex work like i would have not been able to stand up for myself and say no and it's like you know when your safety and your like body depend on your ability to voice your needs you're gonna like you're really forced to to have those boundaries sex is so connected to how we move through the world and i think especially with anybody who's a sex worker and especially those of us who are witches which is like most sex workers i know are fucking witchy mystical Mm -hmm. and conscious as fuck like you really have this um you're forced and have the gift of cultivating this like deep awareness of self and you it's it's such a gift um i just got such an air brain moment uh, air sign moment of my my brain going in a million directions <laughs> and forgetting where to you know what to speak but i love what you were saying about you know your sexuality and your connection to like what i would call you know the spirit of eroticism is like the divine erotic to me this like living kind of transcend transcendental but also embodied energy of sexuality the energy of creation that exists in everyone and everything and you have such a beautiful um connection to the the sacredness found in sexuality not because you're doing anything you know and doing a certain thing but because you're just innately aware of that and i would love to talk to you about some of the rituals around um sex magic that you practice but specifically like i know for myself and just from speaking to people in my community like taking care of yourself before after sex work like sex working sex like a sex session sex working or having um a session of any kind or seeing a client like taking care of your energetic body and finding rituals that help you center and own your power especially after like maybe like a tough night or like a you know like bad day at the club or whatever like do you have any rituals that you um can come back to that have kind of been like your bread and butter for just honoring your energy protecting your energy before or after sex work yeah definitely i at the brothel i currently work at i have a little like those spray bottles that i've put um there was moon water in there a full moon i think the full moon was in pisces Mm. a little bit of rosemary oil and lavender oil and epsom salt 
and I spray that over my body after a booking as a means of like cleansing the energy off me. Mm-hmm. And then when I get home, I like to have, you know, a steamy hot shower with my rosemary oil and my eucalyptus mm. oil. And I come out and I'm, I'm fully naked and I'll scan my body with my hand and essentially just glide over my body and say, I, I release any energy entity mana that I've picked up that is not mine. And I send mine back times three. So it's really... There was a period I remember when I first got into escorting where I wasn't doing that. I was just coming home. I was so tired. I didn't really embark in any rituals and it was starting to really weigh on me. I started getting really intense shoulder pains and neck pain and I was leaving just feeling really heavy. And it's the same feelings I used to feel in the strip club before I started doing rituals to cleanse Mm -hmm. myself of that. And so a friend of mine who is this incredible witch gave me a tarot reading and she said to me, she's like, look, you need to start embarking, even if it's just the smallest ritual. She was the one that suggested the spray bottle to me. She's like, you just need to do these little things because you are extremely empathetic. Being a spiritual person, being a witch, I also think just being moldy in general, like we're so tuned and susceptible to the energy, the mana yeah. around us. And I, I really was taking that lightly and it took her having to give me, you know, a little gentle loving <laughs> slap in the face to be like, girl, you are a sex witch. If you're not protecting your energy, you're going to pay for it. And it's one of those mindsets where, you know, there's a lot of swerfs out there that will have this like, is this new age, like spiritual community, the toxic positive community that's very like, oh, I can't believe you're letting all of this low vibe into you. But for me... Nothing can penetrate me without my consent. In saying that, though, I am just mindful that, yeah, there's little rituals you can do at the end of your shifts. And for me, it's just scanning my hand over my body. I also like to sometimes after especially after a really long day or a really just grueling session i have a mirror that i place in front of me and i'll spread my legs and i'll stare into my vaginal canal and i would just tell her i love you you did what you had to do today i'm proud of you you can rest now release all of the energy that i have consumed that is not mine i i send it out into the world and i regain my own times three so it's just little things like that that help me at the end of the year, especially like really draining bookings because I unfortunately mostly work with cis hetero men. Mm-hmm. My long-term goal with sex work, I really enjoy sensual massage and I would really like to offer a very holistic service where I work with all bodies. I work with trans bodies, non-binary bodies, with with men and women bodies. Like I don't just want to be seeing male clients because my skills, my mana, my strength, my power is wasted on these men. (laughs) I want to give it to people that appreciate what it is that I am providing them with. So that's my long-term goal with sex work. Like I really can see Vixen Temple becoming a a holistic sex witch that people can seek to because you know that's what sex is right it makes you present in your body i think that's really powerful Mm -hmm. i think that's beautiful i'd love to work with people that have sexual trauma i just would love to bring people to their bodies make them help them learn how to receive 
And that's what I really find beautiful as a sex worker is that we are the facilitators between the divine and the physical. And that's something that you see in old societies was really honored. Mm -hmm. And that's why I fuck with Aphrodite a lot, the patron goddess of sex workers. I fuck with Lilith. Like I really embark, I really embody their energy. Aphrodite, the, the protective mother, the divine sacred slut, the prostitute. And then Lilith is who I have to step into when my boundaries get disrespected. It's like, Hey, what did I tell you? Like, it's, it's really, it really means a lot to have their energy with me in these bookings. And I'm so mindful of that. And it's, it's a gift that I believe is wasted on cis hetero men. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they might not necessarily recognize consciously that they're receiving this like influx of like goddess energy, but sometimes yes. they do. And when they do, it really hits. Like, I, I know I, yes. first off, I thank you for sharing these beautiful rituals and this, this just message and you are totally on your way to having this like holistic sex witch sex worker like empire that's just gonna be such a beautiful snowball effect of embodiment and healing and people being in tune with their sexuality and like i i totally feel the same like i one of my my favorite part of sex work and and sharing that is giving people space to explore their de their desires and often desires they feel shame around and being able to transform mm -hmm. that and transmute that in um in a space of intention is so beautiful and i love this idea and i already see you like helping so many people just through your energy and your understanding and your perspective and massage and like touching you know like it's something that we I think a lot of less of us take for granted post COVID, but it's something that we yes. still are, you know, aware of how, of how sacred it is. Um, and I love that ritual of scanning your body with your hands. I do very, very similar before and after my shifts of spraying myself with some rose water. I'll, you know, use some palo, like ethically sourced Palo Santo or my selenite wand and, yes. you know, say something very similar. I release any negative energy that doesn't belong to me, any energy that is not mine, any energy that doesn't serve me, that's not aligned with 100% divine light. And I love yep. you calling back your energy times three. I'm definitely going to be implementing that. Highly recommend it to the listeners because, yeah, yes, if you're releasing stuff, you know, like or allowing what's yours to come back. Um, and I think you make such a good point, too. It's like I think that there can be this internalized pressure or perception that the rituals that are, you know, important or worthwhile are really long and really difficult. And like, yeah. I just don't fuck with that because first off, also have probably adhd i'm still waiting on my official diagnosis because i've been putting it off because adhd i'm like oh, you know God, how it goes surprised <laughs> you're like wait it's not because i'm an i'm an aquarius like, really? when i got diagnosed it was like wait i'm i'm sporadic not because i'm a gemini rising but because i have adhd exactly. <laughs> that's like yeah even just realizing about myself is so funny and you know that kind of layer of neurodivergence i think adds a a layer to sex work because it you know like i love having five streams of income and doing a million things i cannot sit at a desk oh me too me but, too um, <laughs> i have multiple hats multiple jobs exactly. and it's because of the adhd and and also just going off that like there are so many sex workers that are on the spectrum yeah and i think yeah. that's very telling of like this industry and how it's really i wrote an article recently about how the reason that sex work really works for a lot of people on the spectrum, especially here in Aotearoa, where it's decriminalized for my, uh, not migrants, sorry, for citizens of Aotearoa, the amount of, it's very rare that I meet a sex worker that isn't autistic or have ADHD. 
And because a lot of the skills that we naturally possess as people on the spectrum are skills you can apply to sex work. I mean, you've got to be highly empathetic. You've got to have, you know, quick improvising skills. You've got to be a quick thinker. You've got to be on the toes, like ready to go. Mm -hmm. And also just being on the spectrum, we by default just have this high intellect where we can see things outside of the binary and i think that's why neurotypicals you know resent us so much is i honestly controversial opinion i think neurodiverse people are way more highly evolved and we're way more connected to spirit and divinity and i think that's why neurotypicals resent us so much the same way that cis men resent the divine feminine Mm -hmm. it's just something that they envy in us that we naturally possess these things that they could too. They just have to work a little bit harder to obtain it. Yeah. So I love, I love when I I just, I got diagnosed with ADHD at the start of last year and all of the missing pieces in my life just fell together. I was like, you know what? No wonder I am the way I am. Like I I really just am such a goat. I live a very unconventional life and (laughs) I think the ADHD really feeds into that. And there's times where it's frustrating and it's difficult yeah, and it feels like a disability because the world was not designed for our brains. Yeah. But I also can view it as quite a superpower. And when it does work to my advantage, we excel in ways that neurotypicals can't. And I think that's another reason they hate us so much. <laughs> uh, I love this. I actually just finished Paris Hilden's memoir, which was so good. I yep. can't, I highly recommend it. Paris, come on the podcast, please. Um, yeah, she's but, an artistic queen, <laughs> isn't she? Yeah, she's 80. She was talking a lot about ADHD, her ADHD. Right. And cool. she was saying how she's like, this is like my superpower. Like it can be difficult, but it is like, it is what, what makes me who I am. And I just, you know, like yeah. living within any of the marginalizing identities, whether it's sex work or ADHD or being a person of color, indigenous, like it's, it's difficult. But like, like you said, this is something that like, it allows us to excel in our own ways. And it's difficult because it's not society's ways. It's not difficult because it's inherently bad or negative, That's which is, that you know, Yep. So no, the um, odds are stacked against us. So yeah. we are able to step into that and we really have to learn to manage to build a life that suits our needs instead of trying to suit the needs of this life we've been imposed on us. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from colonialism. It comes from patriarchy. Exactly. It comes from capitalism. And these are three things I don't fuck with. So it's really sex work has really gifted me. And I recently last week I actually gave a speech at we did another um protest at parliament and oh, we had a set up and I gave a speech talking about like the intersection of the disability community and sex work and being a sex worker as someone with disabilities is so liberating to be able to choose my own hours to not have mm-hmm. a limit to my earning potential if I wake up sick if I wake up and my my symptoms are manifesting in a way that is is blocking me from being able to go to work I text in I don't have to go to work you know I don't have to request sick leave I don't have to like mm-hmm. find someone to cover my shift and you know it's why it's why I get very frustrated with swerfs because how dare you try to block my earning potential as a as a queer woman, as a disabled woman, as an indigenous woman? How dare you try to yeah. block me from living a life that I deserve that gets denied in other industries I've worked in until I find another path that can pres- that give me this life that sex work has given me? I'm going to say in sex work. And I'm very grateful that, again, you know, like you said earlier, I am... Pakiha presenting so i have white skin i'm thin i'm cis i'm very conventionally attractive and you know in western 
beauty standards. So I have, I, I do recognize that I have navigated sex work through a lot of privilege. But in saying that, there's still been things that have happened to me that have not been so good, but it still beats working a nine to five job. Literally, <laughs> literally I worked a nine to five for oh. a month before I realized if I had been, if I was there for longer, it would literally kill my soul. Like, no, I was, it does. Right? I would have, I can't. And I was not a good employee, which goes back to the ADHD <laughs> thing. I was like, I was taking too long of breaks. Like, I would write like my articles and get them done for the day and then like take a really long lunch break. I'd go to the bathroom a million times. I'd be like falling asleep on my desk after lunch. I got in yep. trouble for talking too much. I had too many typos, yep. which is like not my fault. Hire a copy editor. I digress. No, for real. And like, <laughs> I re- it's not enough. And like, I used to hate like writing and like setting out pitches, like killed my yeah. soul. Like I realized yeah. recently that like I started doing sex work about three and a half years ago. And like, that was when I was, that was what allowed me to transition away from writing and away from doing yeah. freelance writing, which was so difficult and I didn't get paid. And it was just, yeah. you know, obviously, but um your yes fuck us fuck us were forever also like this is you know obviously any kind of job can be surface level whether it's sex work or writing like it doesn't have to be your purpose your true will your dharma but for some of us are like but for some of us our work and our spirituality and our purpose are tied together like i see that in you i see the ways that your activism and your performance art and your spirit and your spirituality and your like ancestral connection is all woven into this offering that you share through sex work and it's like fuck anybody trying to take that away from you fuck anybody who has opinions about that and also just like swerves can fuck off forever and go burn in hell with racists so yeah they can burn um, in hell with the patriarchy not that the (laughs) hell is real or burning in hell is real actually they don't even deserve that they deserve to like go sit at the like the dmv for like a million years and like uh what's it called like and you know like no man just think about what you did like (laughs) literally just sit here and smell people's like gross breath and wait forever in line my personal hell is or my personal like purgatory is like a never-ending line between the post office and a dmv and the only thing you can drink is milk and everybody wears like those gross like toe shoes and flip-flops and they're only playing ellie golding burn i have thought about this so much <laughs> yeah, no, you just described an ADHD nightmare. You are, I, I diagnosed you. You have ADHD. Welcome to the family. <laughs> Thank you, my love. Um, okay, I'm going to go back a little bit because you were talking about in sessions embodying the goddess of love and talking about how it's conjecture if Aphrodite and Venus actually had like what were called quote unquote sacred prostitutes, which I like to call erotic votaries because yes all prostitutes are sacred all sex workers are sacred um so you know we're not exactly sure there was like one guy who wrote about it and then everybody else wrote about it after him so like we're not sure if there were people who were um priestesses of the erotic and who were communing but basically there were um you know these priestesses and priests of the goddess in other countries in the far east and also in we think in the near east either way there's this enter there's this archetype there's this priestesshood of women and men and 
more than likely obviously non-binary people because non-binary people have existed for forever who embodied the goddess and would perform and engage in sexual acts and rituals as a way to share this divine energy with people who came to the temple to worship. So Venus and Aphrodite had these temples with these, um, you know, sacred erotic votaries who would embody the goddess and embody this energy and share that through sexuality. And you write a really incredible article f- about Aph- Aphrodite and her face, the goddess of love for Trist and, um, Trist, right? Am I going crazy? Is that that's, nope, that's correct? Yep. Okay. Trist I was like, yes, Trist, we love. <laughs> it's, if you it's know, you know. That, it's one of those words that when you say it, it sounds wrong from what it's written like. But Trist, yeah, it's Trist. Yes. Thank Trist. you, my love. Um, You're and you write a really beautiful article about Aphrodite, about the goddess of love, and you also, you know, share that you have this connection with her as a fellow yeah. devotee of the goddess of love. I would just love to hear about how your journey with her began. How. Um, devotion and goddess worship and that kind of energy work feeds into your sex work if at all and just yeah anything you want to share about that oh this is one of my favorite topics to talk about like i love and i know you're the same i love (laughs) aphrodite so much i could cry like so for me i feel like this all started around the same time that my um my really intentional spiritual path started. And I say intentional because, I mean, my whole life I've been spiritual and I've been very lucky. I was raised by my single mother who, she's my Pakiha mother, she's the non-Moldi, but she raised me and she really always encouraged my spirituality we used to make little potions together like she my mom is a witch she wouldn't she's such a like i don't know kitchen garden witch but um when i was 17 was when i really started exploring you know astrology and tarot and i look at my um heritage on my mother's side which is very it's very jewish it's very celtic it's very gaelic so i was really um embarking on more of that side of the um craft I really resonate with the tarot. I really resonate with astrology. I resonate with um, a lot of pagan practices back, especially in my teenage years. But the first deity I ever felt drawn to was Aphrodite. Mm. And I, I remember as a teenager, you know, I was obsessed with like the birth of Venus and any iconography that represented Aphrodite, I was just so drawn to. I now have a um, little seashell tattooed to me because Aww. of it. So Aphrodite was the first when I started practicing deity work, before I even knew that that was like a thing, it was just something that felt natural to me. I, my mother has this birth of uh, the Venus de Milo. Um, she made like a little marble statue. So I, I made an altar with, of Aphrodite and just worshipped her. And with that, over the years, I started working with Lilith, who um, I think is really strongly tied to my Jewish heritage and just the demon of the night, you know, the succubus. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like to view both aspects of her in my sex work. Like, when I think I'm stepping into my Aphrodite energy, it's very much that motherly, protective, nurturing desire. It, it's trying to evoke that that's that desire in people, which is it's eros. It's just this thing that in our white supremacy, colonial, patriarchal world has been frowned upon so much, and. I've never had any shame around that. In fact, on that, I my sex work journey 
started when I was a kid. And I say that because I've been masturbating for a very long time. <laughs> and as a kid, I obviously didn't realize that's what I was doing. I would rub my legs together. I'd feel this little explosion and I would make wishes. And those wishes would come true. And they'd be cute little wishes like, oh, I hope I pass my test at school tomorrow. I hope my crush talks to me or something silly like that. And then as I got older and I started learning about masturbation, I was like, oh, I've been doing that a long time. And I started hearing about sex magic. I think it was you. You were the first oh, practitioner oh I heard God. like use the word sex magic. And it was like well into my sex work journey. I hadn't even known that there was a word for it. So for me... I've always been a sex witch. I just didn't know there was a word for it because I was a kid and I didn't realize that's what I, what I was doing. And growing, growing up in this world, you know, I've always felt really divinely connected to like my feminine and my feminine sexuality. And I grew up in Otipoti, Dunedin, which is this very small town. And I was really slut shamed for it. I was prosecuted for it. Like teachers would slut shame me. School oh. kids would slut shame me. Like I just, I have just people would look at me and they'd just be like slut bimbo oh tramp whore harlot like it, it's ridiculous that like dunedin is such an old timey town and, and its views it was it was horrible and so as a teenager just embarking on these goddesses who are so unap especially lilith so unapologetic in their divinity and their sexuality I, I really have always resonated with that and it's it's made people around me uncomfortable and for a long time I oppressed it in order to make them comfortable and I realized but what about my comfort if these people can't see me in my power and honor me and respect me they don't deserve to see me in my power so over the years as I started to step into this person into Vixen Temple I suppose I lost a lot of childhood friends I lost a lot of high school friends but with that I built a community of sex workers, of drag queens, of takatapui people, like the, the, the chosen whanau, the chosen family that I have now is the, the family, the, the, the people I needed as a teenager when I was embarking on this journey. And now I belong to so many covens. I belong to so many communities. And there's, it really speaks to, you know, the path that you go on. It's like the Virgo. I have a Virgo moon. So I really resonate with the path of the Virgin and just, seeing myself as my my partner i am my partner i am the person that i have to protect all the time and i'm very careful about who i let into my world and i let people in that are also on that path we just really i just really crave authenticity being autistic mm -hmm. being a gemini rising being a leo i need to be around people that are on that same path of like unlearning the societal conditioning and stepping into who the fuck they're meant to be and i'm so lucky to have that and that's really, I think, the gift of following the path of the goddess is that yeah. it's not just for yourself, but it helps you build community. And we need community. Our world needs it. Like, that's humans are tribal creatures. We crave it. And so I've done a lot of shadow work on my own. And now I'm at this point in my life where it's time for me to do community work. It's time to do collective care. And it's just honoring the path and whatever road it takes me on. It's been beautiful and I'm, I'm very grateful that I, you know, resonated with that from such a young age because I'm now turning 27 in August. So it's, it would have been oh, 10 years since time. I began. Thank you. So it's now been a decade since I embarked on my intentional devotee to the goddess. And I think that's really insane to think about. It's been 10 years. That's and incredible. look at who I am now. <laughs> look at you. Oh, this was your 
incredible. I have literal goosebumps and Ooh, I'm so I'm so grateful for the work you do and for your voice and it might not feel necessarily like you're, you know, like I just want to acknowledge how much community care and how much activism you truly do. Like you do oh, these incredible you. burlesque pieces. You just had your solo show about like yes! strip cup etiquette. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And you write these incredible articles all over the internet about talking about sex work history, about, mm-hmm. um, you know, covering topics like, like cultural appropriation of sex work imagery of you know like how to be safe and like uh, about the goddess about sex magic and i'm so honored that i got to be even the slightest part of the sex magic journey because you've been doing sex magic for so long that's amazing like just that innate connection and awareness of your you know erotic self and of the the power therein and I just we need to protect Fixin Temple at all costs and you're fucking <laughs> doing it and you've done so oh much gosh, at like you. 26 like that's incredible um but oh, I what love, the fuck right that's amazing <laughs> dude like that's amazing and you Thank really you are so such much. a beautiful pillar of your community and um oh. I would I have a couple of questions for you first yes. off I would love to hear about this show because it just it just ran right like pretty recently yeah okay, yeah please that was tell us the about it. Of the year yeah i'll talk about that so um i debuted my solo show just the tip a stripper's guide to strip club etiquette and it was a part of the fringe festival here in aotearoa i live in tifanganui atata wellington new zealand and i it's been years in the making essentially it was birthed from this i have this drag king character bruce the strip club customer who's just like <laughs> the embodiment of male entitlement like his his motto is i'm not booking i'm just looking oh, and he's God. just this he's this real like kiwi man you know it looks like he's a tradie he comes in and he's oh what's two dollars gonna get me ah you know Literally. like he's just a, yeah and it's it's and i years ago i made a sketch of him on the internet and it, it went a little bit viral and so I started creating like drag acts out of him, like sketches out of him. I rewrote the song, um, If I Were a Rich Man from Fiddler on the Roof into If I oh Were a Rich God. Bloke. And oh I, perform- I performed that act all throughout the country. And every time I perform Bruce, people just go feral for him. He has a fan base. Bruce has a <laughs> fandom. He has fangirls. He has groupies. Like, <laughs> so I started realizing like, okay, like Bruce is a really cool creative outlet for me to get my frustration out towards these like customers, but he's also a really educational tool because like he's, he's, he's the chance for sex workers to be in on the joke instead of the butt of the joke. But when civilians watch him, they come up to me after when they're like, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry I have to put up with shit like that. Like if I see a man acting like that in the club, I'm going to tell him off like, so I realized, okay, Bruce has a really educational tools for people that don't yeah. work in the sex work industry. So I started writing the show and originally the show was all him. But I realized, no, if I just make Bruce the only bad character, people are going to be able to other themselves and separate themselves. The point of my show is to educate people about the way that they act in the strip club. Mm-hmm. Because what I say in my show is that People have this idea that strip club customers are these like phantom figures that lurk under bridges and wait for the clubs to open. No, girl, they're your fucking husbands. Literally, they're your, fathers, they're they're your, brothers, they're your Uber mm-hmm. drivers. They are yeah. just like sex workers are a part of society. So are the people that create the demand we supply. So the point of my show was to show that strip club customers are just regular people 
and the most ordinary person will come into the strip club and the closing line of my show is going forward you're going to ask yourself how would this person treat me if i was standing in front of them asking them for a tip because how the show works is i position the audience as if they're the baby stripper it's their first night at the club i come out i have a bunch of different characters i play i also play myself so it switches between the strip club when i'm the customers and then the strip club changing room when it's just me and i'm there going oh my god hi it's your first night at the strip club. Here's what it's like. Here's, you know, what it's like to be a stripper. These are, these are the sort of customers you're going to be. And by positioning the audience as the stripper, they really get to humanize us and imagine, oh my God, if someone treated me like this, I would be so frustrated. So this is what strippers go through. So I need to educate the people around me that go to strip clubs to not fucking act like this. And it was a really beautiful show. And I used, it was a, it was a comedy because I feel like comedy is a really great tool to have hard conversations that really land on people mm -hmm. and they leave and they're like, huh, that was funny. But that's also funny because it's true. And that's shit because it's true because people fucking treat strippers like this. Yeah. Our brothers treat strippers like this, our neighbors. Like, so I had a lot of fun writing that show. It was very cathartic to perform. And I was really just grateful for getting that space to be able to have all these people listen to what it's like to be a sex worker. Yeah. And it was very interesting because after the show, I, in my drag family, I have my beautiful drag family. I have my trans sister. And she said to me that the experience that I was presenting to her of being a sex worker is very similar to the experience she has felt as a trans woman. Wow. It's just this fetishization. It's yeah. just this... The way that people talk about us, like, we're not humans. We're just this piece of meat that they can just grope and grab and just say the most vile things to. And it was really interesting how many people from other marginalized communities could really resonate with the experience yeah. of the sex worker. And I thought that was something really beautiful about the show. Not only did I get to educate civilians on how to not fucking act in the strip club, but it really opened up a lot of people's eyes to the collective experience of just being a quote-unquote other in this yeah. patriarchal colonial society and so that was my show just the tip i'm really eager to flesh it out a little bit more i want to make it a bit longer it was quite a short shot like to make it like an hour long maybe have an intermission in there and do it again uh, you know long term i'd love to bring it overseas i think yes. it'd be, i think it's the sort of clientele i would love that like i'd love to bring it to la i'd love to actually meet the strippers united girlies and gangs and yeah. gals and pals so it would be really cool to bring it overseas because i feel like the characters can apply to every country because strip club customers really are the same everywhere it's, it's kind of embarrassing like Literally. do better <laughs> it sounds so yeah i mean like i know i know bruce bruce comes in yeah. and i think he's giving you a tip when he puts a single dollar in your panties and there's like there's oh. your tip and it's like no, babe, you just talked to me for 30 minutes and you haven't, yeah. you're not even getting a dance. You're what, here for no. the food, here for the drink? Like, for this real. is not you're a Buffalo Wild Wings, babe. Get out. Yeah. It's like, shocking. this won't even pay for my bus fare. How dare <laughs> you? Like, I always, like, when guys give me, like, two or three dollars, I'm like, this is not even my Taco Bell order. Like, no, I can't real. even and get they, one thing. They expect you to be so grateful Literally. and you're like, this won't even get me on the bus. Like, Literally. I'm not going to do a backflip for this. Are you this kidding me? This is not me? <laughs> even a gallon of gas, babe. Like, this is like, <laughs> this is like a Gatorade at the gas station. Like, what? Yeah. It's Ugh. bad. It's embarrassing. We live in a cost of living crisis, babe. Tip me yeah. more or leave. Like Exactly. The $5 uh, so to yeah. get in is not enough, but. Um, oh, God, no. 
<laughs> I love that you were positioning the audience as a strippers. I feel like that's such a beautiful and thoughtful way to have people foster empathy and like actually be like, oh yeah, like that stripper is like actually just the person. And like, oh, I didn't even think about <laughs> yeah. the fact that like what I'm saying is gonna like be absorbed by somebody who has a soul and who has a heart. Like, yes. Such Thank important, you. beautiful work. Um, and we need it. I can't wait to see it. I feel like it needs to be a Netflix special. I'm holding the vision. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Oh, um, thank you. And, thank okay, you so much. So we'll have, we have time for a few more questions. And I would love to know just what is currently inspiring you right now? Like what is making you horny energetically, emotionally, literally, figuratively? Like what is, what is, yeah, what is getting you inspired? Uh, okay, I have two answers to that. The first one is here in Aotearoa, there is the strippers movement that has started taking place called the oh. Fired Up Stilettos. And essentially, very long story short, but if you're listening, go look up Fired Up Stilettos, follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that jazz. But here in Aotearoa, at the start of the year, there's a strip club called Calendar Girls that mass-fired 19 strippers oh my God. who all signed a petition essentially asking for, um, like, invoices for their pay. The club had brought in that they were going to take a significant cut of the pay. Oh, they were no. essentially just asking for basic rights yep. and fair treatment. And so they got mass-fired by the boss. And since then, these these strippers have formed a movement called fired up stilettos very inspired by the strippers united the no strike no ho the strikers yeah. no ho um journey it's really cool so they've since then um they've invited me to join them and we oh. went and gave a speech we we all went and spoke at parliament we had politicians listening oh. to us listening to the abuses we've endured the the racism the fat phobia just the the oh. pure prejudice that yeah. strip club customers sorry not customers strip club managers put us through because they know mm -hmm. they'll get away with it because society doesn't care about strippers and we've also we've been pole dancing on parliament grounds we've been really the, hash, the, the 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 quote is kick up a fuss because fus fired up the letters kick up a fuss we've been kicking up a fuss we are really just trying to create collective change for independent contractors here in aotearoa they have recently been speaking at parliament about bringing in you know policies to stop club owners from being able to take more than 40 percent of our earnings so they have really, really been inspiring me because I've been an activist for about four years now. And for a long time, that was on my own. And then I joined Strippers United and then I joined Aotearoa Sex Workers Collective. But now Fired Up Stilettos is doing what so many of us strippers have tried to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we sit in the changing room yeah. saying, oh, we should unionize. We need to unionize. Literally. They've gone and done it. And I'm so proud of them. I'm so amazed by them. We had a party on Saturday night to celebrate and it was just this fun night of us all on a stripper pole, just <laughs> honoring how much they've achieved. We've achieved in the past few months. We've since, yeah, we've spoken at parliament. We've had two protests at parliament. We've got MPs supporting us, go the green party. Like they have really come through for us. And so they have really been a source of massive inspiration for me right now. They really speak to the importance of collective action and how we can do so much as a unit, as a, like, with, you know, strength in numbers, right? Like, when we come together, we are so strong. And that links to the second thing I've been taking a lot of inspiration from recently is connecting to my fucker papa Modi. I'm on a journey of decolonizing myself and just exploring my, 
Maori heritage and looking at Aotearoa pre-colonization and what that looked like and how beautiful it was and a lot of the practices of many indigenous communities and here in Aotearoa with the Maori community our values are as as laid upon this idea that everything is divinely connected mm. everything has a waiura a soul an essence and community is the way forward like yeah. we live in this capitalist colonial world which pushes neoliberalism to the point of like we're all so separate from each other and it's something that in the past i'll admit i have subscribed to some neoliberal ideologies in the past of like when i was trying to step into my queen of swords i did go through a phase of like i'm independent i don't need no one i don't need anyone like it's me against the world but then as I got older and started connecting to my heritage and realizing like, no, actually there's, there's strength in community. Yeah. And I think what's really been inspiring me recently is this idea of community and collective action and how I've achieved so much on my own. But since moving to Te Whanganui and building a chosen community, a chosen family, I can achieve so much for the wider community when I work with the wider community. And that's something that's been just fueling me through. It's winter here in Aotearoa, so seasonal depression season. It's been really getting me through the the cold winter nights. It's just lying my head on my pillow, knowing that I am a part of a movement. I'm part of a community. And that is something that, you know, I was bullied a lot growing up, just being undiagnosed autistic and, and being queer and just being the freak. Like, I was so bullied growing up, but I'm now at this point in my life where people celebrate me for the things that I used to get villainized for mm. in Dunedin. And not only that, but I have the friends and the community that I needed growing up and I now have because I am stepping into my authenticity and I am attracting like-minded humans that have the end goal of just kicking us out of you know burning the patriarchy decolonizing the future is trans the future is indigenous the future is takatapui it's sex work it's liberation it's so beautiful to be a part of even just a seed of growth towards that future that i want to see for our world oh oh my god you just are slaying with these beautiful just epigraphs of just such deep truth and thank we're you. not meant to do this life alone like communal no. living like you know it's definitely difficult when we're in a hyper individualistic society like so many of us are in like yes. this age but it's yeah. so important and i think especially for sex work like for sex workers like i have found some of my best friends through sex work like my yep. community and it can be so isolating, whether it's decriminalized where you live or not. It can be so isolating to be doing this kind of work that having the community is so vital. I love it. And what you're doing with um, Fired Up Stilettos is fucking incredible. I'm friends with the, some of the girlies at the um, Star Garden Stripper yes! Strike who have now fucking unionized. It's incredible. Yes, they fucking have. It's incredible. Have. We have fucking again. unionized strippers here in LA. I just saw that oh. some strippers in uh i believe um portland are unionizing and i love that it's like you know it's like one when we see each other doing it we're like able to hold ourselves more accountable because we know it's we know we're able and i'm so happy that you're working with this group i love that you guys have done so much with parliament already like pole dancing and protesting and giving speeches like truly 
phenomenal work and i will be linking to fired up stilettos on the show yes, notes so everybody can go donate support follow please um, thank you and last question before we just get your um handles and where people can find you but do you have any advice for any of our listeners who are sex workers who are feeling like shame or feeling just you know like guilt about the work or feeling some type of way and maybe it's external but most of the time i find that we're our own toughest critics and we're judging ourselves so like or what what if you ever feel like that what are you know what would you say to yourself what would you say to somebody or what rituals would you turn to to help maybe transmute that yeah that's a really beautiful question thank you so much um i'm actually working on an article at the moment for trist about self-care for sex workers and how nuanced it is because it's not as simple as you know go buy a scented candle and have like a bubble bath like just answering that question about the shame we feel the first advice i was get i would give is recognizing that that shame where it's coming from it is it and i wrote it again i wrote not to plug myself but i wrote an article about this for trist about where whole phobia stems from and it Mm -hmm. is a colonial construct it is a patriarchal construct understanding where that shame is coming from that it is not internal it is not you it was put in you mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a parasite it's a it, you just got to exercise it from yourself and recognizing where it comes from and applying compassion for that realizing that i don't actually think this way i've been told i should think this shame mm-hmm. can really help you work through that compassion of like okay it's not my fault that i'm feeling the shame i need to work through it mm-hmm. and then from there I honestly, and I, I know it can be easier said than done in this world, especially I imagine in countries where sex work is criminalized. I think trying to involve yourself in the community is a really good way to yeah. work through that isolation and that shame. Like, and again, I, I, I recognize I live in a country where it's decriminalized, so it's probably a lot easier for me to go out and find community. But if you go on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, I'm sure you can look up that there's areas near you that have sex worker organizations Mm -hmm. it's just and even not that what other communities do you identify with are you queer are you are you trans are you disabled involving yourself in the communities that you identify with is a really good way to realize that you're not alone in the shame that we're all holding it but we're all trying to unlearn it so recognizing where that shame comes from and then taking steps to not let it fester in you by surrounding yourself with people that understand they can empathize sympathy is great but we really need empathy Mm -hmm. as sex workers we need to be Mm -hmm. around people that get it so that's my advice oh so beautiful um and i know that sex work outreach or sex workers outreach project offers um like a support circle and um there's a word for it that i'm forgetting um my brain and we also (laughs) i share i um hold king coven every month so that's a a place where we celebrate support and protect sex workers both through ritual and through monetary funds um attend that my friends yeah you can attend that swap is great there's um you know some other organizations that i can listen to show notes as well yes but yeah community is such a valuable 
part of the puzzle. Like, I think I would not be able to do sex work without my community. Like, even down to just, like, sharing details about clients that might not have been great or, you know, our experiences. Like, that network is everything. So, finding your people um, and using the internet, like, social media, you know, like, don't be afraid to slide into somebody's DMs and just, like, let them know that you're, you appreciate them or you appreciate their work. Um, But, yeah, you know, finding kind of um places like you mentioned i think is really beautiful and all your advice is so gorgeous i cannot wait for that trist article if it send it to me and when it comes out i can add it here or i'll share it on social hopefully it'll be out before this piece but um is there a couple things anything that you want to plug anything you're excited about that people can um you know look for keep an eye out and where can people find you on the internet yeah, so people can find me. I'm an Instagram whore, so you can follow me <laughs> on Instagram. I'm Shadowban, so you have to type my oh, full username, which is relatable. Vixen Temple and the numerals, uh, the, the numbers 666. Yes. Um, on Facebook, Vixen Temple. On Twitter, Vixen Temple blog. Um, and then under my link tree, I have my links to all of my published writing, my YouTube channel, which I don't post. I think I want to get back on YouTube and start making video essays. We'll see. Um, but you can check out the videos I've already got, um, published writing. And if you live in Aotearoa, you can follow me on Instagram to see where I'll be performing. Come attend one of my rituals. I also do poetry. I, d- I do a lot. So just, yeah, check out my socials and you can learn a bit more about me on there. I really highly recommend reading my published writing. I'm really proud of it. I write a lot about, as Gabby mentioned, the history of sex work, the politics of sex work. Um, I also write about disabilities, rights and sex work and holistic sex work, sex magic. You know, I, I, there's, there's a multifaceted creature. I write about a lot. Go check it out. <laughs> Your writing is truly some of the best out there by sex workers oh, for wow. sex workers. It's so good. You are truly incredible. Thank you. The things you're writing Thank about you. are so important. We will link to that, to your Trist articles and to other stuff in your website below. Um, But you are just so important. Such a true Gemini rising icon. Um, And (laughs) we're recording this right before the Gemini new moon. So I hope the Gemini new moon is everything for you in your first house. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being on Vixen Temple. We so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Kia ora everyone. Tēnā Thank you so much. Well, witches and sluts, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Love, Lust, and Magic with the iconic Vixen Temple. Make sure to check out her Instagram below. I also am linking to her Trist articles and her website. Hire her, have your her at your events. Um, get her on your board for decrim and for sex worker rights. And I'm just so glad that she was able to be here with us today. And as always, if you want even more of my magic, you can check out my newest book, which is available for pre-order now called Goddess Energy, Awakening the Divine Feminine Through Myth and Magic. I also have a class coming up on Sunday, February 25th called Creating a Daily Practice, which is all about creating a daily ritual practice that is fun, inspiring, and that feels good as fuck, whether you have five minutes, 10 minutes an hour or three minutes, we're going to help you create a daily practice that feels incredible and that helps you tap into your magic every fucking day. As always, I also have classes like perverting the tarot and um, uh, uh, solo king healing for healing for 
Okay, oh my God. Uh, self-seduction, solo kink for healing and self-empowerment, as well as um, I have a Patreon where you can find exclusive ritual guides, tarot spreads, and more. And you can follow me on Instagram and threads, as well as buy all of my other books at the links below. So thank you guys again for being here and I will see you next week. Love, Lust, and Magic is produced by Zach Toman.